You are listening to the National College Lacrosse League's weekly podcast with your host, Paul Woody, and NCLL President Jamie McNeely. Find us on the web at nclax.com. Hey, guys. Welcome to the NCLL podcast. This is our weekly podcast, uh, the National College Lacrosse League. This is Paul Woody, the media guy, and I'm joined this week by Jamie McNeely, NCLL President. Hey, Jamie. How you doing? Great, Paul. It's great to see you again. That's yep. Fun seeing you on Sunday as well. It was a good yeah, uh, we had quite a good time um, down at Calverton. Um, if you haven't had a chance to check out our article, please do. We were at the uh, the Division Two Chesapeake Conference Finals um, down at the Calverton School in Calvert County. UMBC took the crown. Uh, they defeated James, uh, George Mason, and they made it this year to the uh, to the NCLL Finals, uh, the Division Two Elite Eight, which will take place this weekend. And everything's been wrapped up in D2 and D1. All the playoffs are set. And uh, we're ready for some um, playoff lacrosse this weekend. Pretty exciting week. Pretty cra- crazy week, too. Um, <laughs> I know for, you know, I, I know I'm busy, but I can't imagine what you and uh, Julie are doing, just getting, getting everything prepared. Um, before we talk about the logistics, though, let, let, let's talk about this past weekend. Who made it? Um, who didn't make it? Um, how the seedings might line up? Um, and what we could look forward to this weekend. What were the, just looking over the results, what were some of the biggest, um, what stood out to you? I think, I think there was a couple games. I mean, except for one, they all went down to the wire. But the biggest one, uh, probably one of the biggest of the four of the weekend was Michigan scoring nine in a row at Cincinnati being down nine to three. So that was definitely the biggest comeback of the weekend. And, and that was a halftime score, correct? Yeah, it was 8-3 at half, and then Cincinnati scored the first one, and that was the last one they scored for the rest of the game in the third quarter. I would have loved to have seen that. Um, I'm going to pro- have to grab someone from Michigan on the sidelines. How do you give up eight goals in the first half? Um, I mean, that's a disaster. I mean, you're giving up 16 goals, you know, if you keep that up. So literally they give up one, and then they shut him out the rest of the way, and then their offense completely wakes up. That, that's just – Right, and, and, and especially that they're, you know, they're away, that they traveled that far and brought enough to do that. I mean, that's, that's incredible. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. And for all that hard fighting and comeback that Michigan did, <laughs> they get Navy uh, <laughs> Saturday afternoon at uh, 3 o'clock, uh, Michigan – um, being the, the 16th team, Navy being, of course, number one. Um, what about in the uh, – let's just jump back real quick to the D2 field. What did you see in there? Anything surprising? Providence moves on, obviously. I think that's a good matchup with UMBC. UMBC has really turned it on. They have some impressive players now. Um, they, they, speaking to their head coach, Mark Hoffman, he said it's been difficult. Um, he's had these guys on his roster. It's just been difficult getting them – to show up for a number of different reasons. And he said, and just, you know, recently they really started to get it together and uh, they were impressive 14 players on Sunday. Um, and they win uh, a couple of games and then they beat a really solid George Mason team with only 14 players and they make it. And now they'll square off with, uh, with number one Providence. Yeah. And for their part, I mean, um, Providence, I think was down as well. Seven goals to Stevens, you know, and Stevens is the defending national champion, uh, and just the social media wars between the two teams all season long and to see Providence come all the way back and win it. I mean, it's a stunner. So. That is a stunner. And, uh, again, Providence, Jack Cahill, um, every week when I get a box score from Providence, that, that kid's got five goals. Um, talked to him briefly last week. I think he's up to something, Jamie, like 37 goals on the year. 
looking forward to seeing that guy. I don't, I don't know um, if UMBC has anybody on their defense that matches up with that guy, if they can keep that guy from putting the ball in the net. But again, yeah, another crazy comeback. Yeah. Um, so oh. Ak- Akron finishes out. Uh, they win. They'll, uh, they'll face number six, Kutztown. Kentucky is back again from the Midwest. Uh, they won it last year. And, of course, they had a quick exit last year. Um, they faced VMI super early in the morning. Um, VMI was a really tough squad. And they have a tough challenge again this year. They'll face Westchester. Yeah, and uh, I, I think Kentucky will be, you know, um, much more experienced by being here last year. They know coming out of the gate. Uh, but Westchester obviously is no slouch themselves, you know, winning the national championship a couple of years ago and, and being very, very strong. But I think Kentucky now realizes what they're getting into. So I'm sure this week of preparation will, will be mostly going back to last year's loss versus VMI. And right. two, uh, a lot of the teams are scouting each other's social media accounts and, and huddle for clips and trying to get scouting reports. So it's been interesting. And then in the other game, it'll be Binghamton and Christopher Newport, two teams that uh, were not in it last year. Um, Christopher Newport with a big win uh, to get themselves uh, into the Elite Eight. Right, right, and then uh, and then Binghamton returning um, after being Ithaca. So yeah, I mean it's it's, a, it's to me it's a very strong field. Looking over as we're updating the the schedules and the national tournament guides, these are all teams except for Kentucky, obviously. Um, the first year was their last year, and then Providence, who's only second year club. These are teams that you see, you know, weaving in and out of the Elite Eight. So each team has someone of experience at this high level. Right. And in, uh, let's jump over to Division One. Um, you mentioned Michigan. Of course, they'll draw uh, number one team in the country, Navy. Navy's been number one, I think, for the past four weeks uh, since Maryland uh, was upset. Um, then we have defending national champions, Virginia. Oh, ooh, and just real quick, going back to D2, Stevens Tech obviously won't, be, won't you know, be able to defend their national championship. But in D1, Virginia, who had a uh, slow start, uh, they've come along right at the right time, and they're back in it, um, coming in at number six, and they'll get a chance to defend their championship. Yeah, and, uh, and you know they'll, they'll face Fairfield, who for themselves at home, they're down by four to Vermont, and then you know won it in double overtime. So uh, you know Fairfield has had six one goal games, so they're used to that. But oh wow, I, I would have loved to been on the sideline at JMU versus Virginia because those are two great rivals, um, and it's hard for those two matchups to happen. Um, and we've had lots of discussions with both teams about that. But I think at the end of the day, they realize if they're going to meet somewhere probably closer home and just have that atmosphere, it's probably more of a benefit than, you know, than up in Annapolis. But um, it, I think the, the, the Division One, the eight teams, it's going to be very competitive. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Towson comes in at number eight, and they'll face number four Penn State. Um, would, do you consider the Towson win over Penn an upset? Yeah, I thought – Penn was very, very good. I mean, um, you know, they, they took Navy six to four, one of the closest games of the Navy. So they definitely had the players. I think Towson has become much more seasoned over the, the second half and, and has gotten away from making, you know, silly mistakes in terms of just giving away some games. And now they're making teams earn it. Um, and Tyler Jervlin, who's our head coach and who played there, has done a great job of, you know, I think managing expectations in terms of his strategies and with what, you know, he's going into for games. So yeah, he's not set technically because they're the third seed in the Chesapeake conference. Sure. Penn was undefeated in Liberty, but you know, late in the season, this is when teams turn it on. Towson has a big squad. They field like 30 kids. They're all talented. They're well organized. Uh, if they stay focused, I think they could beat anybody. It's just that, that, you know, like what you said, can they stay, stay focused? 
um, and put it all together. I, I've seen them play you know, fantastic, and then I've seen them do things where I'm just scratching my head wondering, you know, what is going on? Um, but no, it's good to see that they've turned it on and uh, have made it to the finals. And then, of course, in the other game we have uh, number three-ranked Maryland Terps, and they're taking on number 12, Temple. Um, Temple had a good season. They mixed it up. They played a lot of MCLA teams this year, a lot of out-of-conference stuff. Um, so kind of hard to judge their record on paper, um, but well-organized, still a formidable team, and I think that'll be a really good game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that was the only game that was really out of kilter in terms of uh, Temple winning 11-4 to up at Albany. And then, you know, um, the Maryland winning 7-6 to over Rutgers. I mean, that, that's just incredible like, how that game played out. And I don't – just looking back at the Rutgers team that traveled to Maryland for the – um, the end of the year tournament they had for the Beltway Bash was just wondering maybe that wasn't the full Rutgers team. Um, I mean, that, that team did play fairly well and they did make it to, uh, to play off Sunday, but uh, just what I saw and what I saw out of the Terps, I, I, yeah, I didn't expect a close game out of that at all. Um, so you got to hand it to the, uh, to the Rutgers seniors uh, who really put it together and gave Maryland everything they could. Um, yeah. No, yeah that would, that, that'd have been the upset of the year had uh, Rutgers knocked Maryland out. Right. Right. Oh yeah. And, and- <clears throat> They had the opportunity. I mean, it's just when you look at the eight games and how close they all went and, it, and each team had their own shot at winning it all. I mean, that's what you want. Right. And then so what about teams that didn't make it? Obviously, we, we mentioned Stevens Tech not making it from D2, but they also last year they played RIT in the finals and uh, RIT uh, not making it this year. Anybody else in D2 kind of surprised you thought may have may have made it in and, uh, and didn't get this far? Um, you know, I think v- uh, VMI or I know Coochtown defeated IUP by one. IUP is a very good, solid program. Um, you know, Louisville had beaten Kentucky, Kentucky early in the year. So that game was kind of a shock, especially uh, the, the first half. Um, but, yeah, but I, I think you can say UMass B as well. I mean, there were just so many teams that had great seasons. But when it comes down to it, when you have 100 in Division two teams, willing it down to 32 for playoffs and taking the top eight, um, you know, a lot of teams are on the outside looking in. Sure. And just quickly, I know this is complicated for you, but in, 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 in D2, is it all, it, 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 there's AQs from the conferences. So you have to combine certain conferences to have a joint champion. There are some conferences that don't have enough t- teams. How does that work? It's different in division one where you can go by the rankings um, because there's three teams in the D1 elite eight from the Chesapeake conference, but in D2, it, way more complex, way more, teams and you know spread out across the larger uh, area how do you whittle that down yeah so one thing we did five years ago was the eight aqs and to do that since you have 10 conferences you have to combine a couple of conferences you know the blue ridge and the tidewater combined into one uh and the new york metro in the new england combined into one whereas the keystone actually has eight teams uh make it so you take four at one site which was at iup on saturday the other four played at Coochtown. And the winner of those two sites then meet on a Sunday. So, you know, every conference is different, but we're trying to be inclusive and not exclusive. But right. there's just so much talent out there that we want to we want to invite as many teams that we think that has a realistic shot. So for Division Two, you have 36 teams that are competing, and they all, to me, have a real, you know a legitimate shot at um at making it to the Elite Eight. Or even you know the way that Easter was and the weather. You know, we did have in some conferences like the Chesapeake, we had a play-in game because Georgetown and Stevenson didn't play against each other. And you really couldn't exclude one or the other. So, you know, they, they played right before um, the Chesapeake Conference Championships began. And then the winner, who was Georgetown, then played UMBC. So, 
Yeah, I think that worked out well. Um, on paper, it may have looked like someone like <clears throat> Catholic should have been a lower seed than Stevenson, but Catholic had a really good squad and they almost knocked out George Mason. And then <clears throat> with, um, excuse me, with the Hoyas knocking out uh, Stevenson in the play, it, it, it all worked itself out, you know, perfectly, I think. Um, and then Division One, um, who stands out as far as kind of a shocker that they didn't make it? Well, you know, like, like at Cornell, they, you know, they didn't play enough games to make it, but usually they're one of the teams that are there. Um, do we know what the problem was with them this year, James? Why they didn't have enough uh, games on their schedule? I think it was mostly just the weather and then the availability of them being able to travel to host. And, you know, every school is different from year to year. Right. So some schools get tremendous support and background. Like at Akron, we were able to use the football stadium um, for their championships. Where other places, you know, uh, like in Navy, they're they're technically considered a Club B status and not a Club A status. So they don't get they don't get first priority of the fields when they're available. So, you know, every school is different. So what else goes into club A, club B? Is it just, uh, get, you know, access to facilities or? I think it's access and then also having availability of trainers at practices. And oh, oh, okay. Uh, and then probably a little bit more of a stipend to travel, um, you know, things of that sort. Right, right. So, um, so the playoffs are all set. The schedules are set. We're back at Rip Miller Field uh, at the United States Naval Academy starting out this weekend. Um, the, all the documentation for the national tournament, the national tournament guide is up on our website. Um, and we'll need to, you know, make sure that everyone um, has access to that. Um, if you're planning to come down and play, or if you are planning just to come down and check it out, if you're local to the area. Um, so what are the things, Jamie, that uh, some of the, obviously a lot of these teams have been here before, but for the Christopher Newports and uh, people like that who haven't been down here, what can they expect? And logistically, what are some of the challenges? Uh, that's a great question in terms of, you know, there's some new procedures at the Naval Academy. Um, you know, obviously we're busing people on site. So um, this year we're going to have to actually disembark on the school buses to go through security and then hop back on the school buses um, to get to the field. So we'll provide security for that in terms of from the parking lot onto the yard. Um, so everyone should have their IDs. What's the um, meeting? What's the, uh, the, the meeting point? This year, I think it was, was it Annapolis Area Christian School last year that you used? Yes, it's Annapolis Area Christian School, the middle school, which is on Bestgate Road in Annapolis. And it's only about a five-minute drive on the, on the charter school buses to Annapolis. So it's very, very convenient. Um, so when the, when the bus gets to the check-in point on the campus of the base, people will have to step off the bus for a second and then get back on? Yeah, they'll have to step off at the, at the guard gate, mm-hmm. walk inside through the office and through the metal detectors, put all their bags on the conveyor belt. And then once they get back outside, then get back on the bus. So, you know, we're trying to, we, we've looked at the last two years we've been at Navy in terms of peak time. So we're going to have extra buses just because it's going to take a little bit longer. So I guess the biggest thing is make sure you have your IDs, not only your state license, driver license, your school, but if you have your passport, bring it, but just to allocate 15 to 20 extra minutes before your game. So, and um, if you, if you are able to park in downtown Annapolis, then you can walk onto the base and it's roughly in the same spot, but yep. they'll, they'll funnel you through a building and it's the same type of procedure. You'll be asked for identification, any bags or anything you'll bring in cameras and so forth. will go through scanners and then you'll be allowed on. And then it's a relatively short right around the corner uh, to where um, the two fields are that we'll be playing on. Correct. Yeah. Yep. It's about 150 yards to Rip Miller. And then on the corner of the Chesapeake Bay and seven rivers, like another 200 yards to a uh, Farragut field. So it's relatively close, but, Again, for elderly parents or grandparents or handicapped uh, people that need access, you know, we'll have that as the bus to make sure that we drop them off 
at security, pick them up, and then also take them to field one and two, which are stops one and two as well. So we, we try to be as accommodating as we possibly can. And Farragut Field, was it grass last year? I no, don't recall. No, it's turf, but it's just not, not the brand new turf. <laughs> okay, okay, which they have in Rip Miller. It's a, I'll tell you, it's a picturesque place to play um, with the water. Uh, the, the academy, you know, is impressive by itself, but with the, with the Chesapeake Bay and the surrounding area, downtown Annapolis is fantastic. It's a great place um, to be and a great place to have a tournament, and um, I'm really excited about being back down there. Rip Miller Field is a fantastic little stadium. It's got a great press box. We can broadcast, um, at, record video and so forth on top of the press box. It's a great setup for us, good scoreboard. Um, so, yeah, I'm really pleased to find out that we're going to be back there this year. So the Elite um, Eight games begin for Division Two at 9. The Division Ones begin at 1. And then we have the Division Two Final Four, which will be split on both fields. They go simultaneously, correct? One at Farragut, one at Rip, and they go at 5. Yep. And then the D1 Final Fours are at 7. And then that put that will we'll have the national championship games with Division Two starting at 11 a.m. on Sunday, May 5th, with the Division One national championship game being one o'clock uh, Sunday, May 5th, and we'll crown our champions then. Very, very, very cool. Anything else we're missing or need to speak about? Um, yeah, if you get? want, do you want to describe what you have in store for Sunday? Uh, yeah. Well, it, we're still ironing out some of the kinks. Um, we plan on the plan, and as of right now, is for us to broadcast the game live uh, in HD uh, on our YouTube channel. Um, just going through right now some of the technical aspects of that. You have to set up your your page in advance, which we've done, and now it's just a matter of um, the type of equipment we're going to be using. Uh, thankfully, the company that I work for, uh, my other job, um, has uh, nice video equipment. We do audio video, so I'm working with to see if it's going to be, you know, what kind of software we're going to be using, cameras and so forth. But we hope to be able to, as of Sunday, 11 o'clock, go live, broadcast live through YouTube, uh, and I'll be doing the commentary of the game as it goes on, hopefully have some stats up on the screen. But that's what we're getting at. So, yeah, that'll be very exciting. We also have, um, hoping to have Greg Keneally back. We had him at the Beltway Bash, Greg, from East Coast Dyes. Um, if you're in lacrosse, you've seen his highlight videos. Um, he, he's fantastic at it. Um, does a lot of the slow motion. Um, we hope to have him there on Sunday as well. Plus, we'll have photographers on both days. Um, a couple guys, myself and somebody else on Saturday. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have this completely covered and um, uh, hoping that, you know, technically everything works out. Hopefully we stay dry because I don't want to be on the roof of that building <laughs> <laughs> shooting video broadcasting in an umbrella. Um, so yeah, so, uh, really excited. It's, it's, we, it's funny, Jane, we, we talked about doing it last year. Um, and it, you know, I can handle, you know, photography and cameras like that, but live streaming and being able to do it, um, in high definition and have it, you know, we want a certain level of quality. I mean, obviously you and I could stand on the sidelines with an iPad and go live on Instagram and it would, right. you know, and do that, but that's not really what we want. That's not going to hold anybody's interest. Um, we want to be able to, um, not only broadcast it live, but then be able to save it and then, you know, have it up on the YouTube channel, you know, for, uh, for people to see again. So fingers crossed, I'm still working out some of the kinks on that, but I'm, I'm sure we'll be good to go by Saturday or Sunday. So yeah, yeah. real exciting. Yeah. I know we're all, we're all looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. And then that's one thing that you kept encouraging us is like, Hey, when you travel, you use your phone for Instagram on the sideline, but you're at right, the quality is so poor. It's not, <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> you can get away with, with poo poo quality, as long as it's, you know, like a goal or a hit or something. 
um, yeah, just guys throwing the ball out of bounds is in poor definition is not a good highlight. So, um, but now we're, we're putting it together. So we're hoping to have the full team of, uh, of people and helpers there. Um, I just want to give a shout out also to, I mean, if you, by the end of this week, there will be four articles on our website recapping events from this past weekend. Three of them are provided by people outside our group, meaning, so we have a guy in Philadelphia who writes for Philly Lax. He's provided information. We have uh, Jen up at RIT. Um, she's part of that club. She's also a photographer providing information. We have Mike Wells out in Kentucky, and he's been sending us stuff every week. Um, it's been tremendous, and it you know, keeps you and I from having to drive all over the place. Um, it, it's... we everyone's done really well this year with contributing information. We get stuff from Providence every week with statistics. That's how I know about Jack Cahill and all his goals. Cause you know, they send, <clears throat> they send us that information. Um, so no, everyone has been, it, it's been, we've really grown this year in terms of outreach to different areas. And, you know, next year, you know, more of the same, we're hoping to even hit on new areas and new schools that we didn't get to cover this year. Um, getting their information, getting them up on the website and getting them some exposure that, uh, that they deserve. Yeah, no, yeah, and that's one thing when we looked at, you know, if we can double back to the student athlete fee, because we do have people in in great areas that are much much less expensive. Um, I'm not sure if everyone knows it, but we're going to refund all the fees because now we have a great system in place where we can get access to that information instead of sending people from Maryland, and that greatly cuts down the costs for everybody. Um, so I'm not sure if, if we put out a memo or not. Uh, we, we've begun that process already of, of returning the team that paid for the entire team this fees. And then once we get through this weekend, then we'll start doing it uh, individually through everyone's debit cards or credit cards or whatever they use. So um, that's, that's one thing that's been great to see is that we can keep the cost down because it really does make a difference. I mean, that was the biggest thing this year of like, how can we ball on a budget and, and right. buy the things <clears throat> that we provide and keep, and keep the cost down to a minimum. So, right. It's, and definitely a learning experience. Lax bites was a learning experience this year. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, trying to get rosters. I still I know that we still haven't gotten rosters and then like a, a public, you know, deposit to put everything, whether it be Google docs or whatever. Um, all, all ideas that we got from a lot of discussions we had with a lot of the players at all the games this year um, is stuff that we will, you know, immediately start discussing and figuring out during the off season. So, yeah, which is but, just having the dialogue with everyone. Yeah, and absolutely. it's been a, a huge transformation for the league moving forward, just to make it more efficient, but also, to bring it up to speed, so to speak. So it's uh, and there's been a lot of growing pains. I know not every team is happy with us, but overall, when you take a ten thousand, you know, view, uh, everyone sees that we're taking the, the necessary steps to 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 remain student centered and make sure that we highlight, you know, the athletes on the field. Sure. Uh, yeah, I hope they see that. Um, I, I, some people have come up to me, and, you know, and shook my hand at games and said, hey, we appreciate all you're doing. And then, of course, you know, I get an email two days later. Where are my pictures? Where are my pictures? <laughs> hey, but I get it. I totally get it. Um, well, that's great. It, it sounds like we're all set. Um, so, obviously, if anyone has any questions and they're listening to this, what is the best way to get an answer? Obviously, go to the website. Go to the 2000 uh, Championship Weekend. You'll see it in the header. You can click on that. There's a tournament team guide PDF that explains pretty much everything we just spoke of. And then, of course, um, what is the best to get in touch with you, Jamie? Is it the NCLL, AX yeah. at, at NCLL? That's, that's the most direct. But then, obviously, we, you know, we get so many direct messages through Instagram or Twitter, not so much Facebook. You know, right. um, people can text us, and our, our phone numbers are all on that guide. So you know, whatever way is most convenient for them. And then now, because we're right in full mode, you know, they'll get a response within the hour. Gotcha. 
All right. And that way, if you if you don't get a response from us, maybe, you know, you reach out to the wrong email or something's not right. So reach out to us again. But, you know, from here until Sunday, definitely within 60 minutes. Sure. Well, I've logged into the NCLL Gmail and it's uh, it's so much going on. And then I'm using mine, you know, for the other things I'm doing. So there is a lot of correspondence. Bear with us. Um, small staff who have other um, jobs as well, um, which keep us busy. And then, of course, we have families and all that other fantastic stuff. That's right. This takes presence, so don't worry. We're, <laughs> we're running 24-7. We're running yeah. <laughs> well, this is the, the crazy week. Um, so, yeah, lo- lo- lots of questions. Even the correspondence between you and I is, is a ton of million things with us hitting each other up, um, asking for, you know, hey, could you throw this together real quick? I want to put this up on the page and, and yada, yada. So. But it's all going to come to a head this weekend. Looking forward to it. Uh, NCL national championship games again in Annapolis uh, and we'll crown um, maybe a repeat in D one and a brand new one in D two. Yeah, it's going right? to be fun. Yeah. Looking forward to it. <laughs> All right, guys, that'll do it for us this week on the NCLL podcast. This is NCLL media guy, Paul Woody, along with NCL president, Jamie McNeely. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and on our main page where all this information can be found. All of our updates, recaps, nclax.com. Take care.